It's great to be with you all this morning. We're so glad to be together to worship God. For those of you that are visiting, thank you for taking time to be with us this morning. We're especially happy to be here today because many of us have been passing each other, going and coming for the last few weeks, and we're all back together with the exception of a couple this morning, and so it's, it's good to be here today. Well, we're all familiar with the idea of sacrifices, and we're familiar with the idea of some things being a sacrifice and some things not. For example, maybe your wife slaves away all day to make a special meal. You might call that a sacrifice that she did for the family, for, for you. You sitting down to that meal and eating it and the big piece of chocolate cake that she made to go with it after the meal is over, probably not a sacrifice. We understand what a sacrifice is. We understand some things that are not sacrifices. Well, in the Bible, in the passage that David just referenced, for example, the idea of sacrifices is mentioned over and over again. And the passage that David read for us there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, referenced a sacrifice that was acceptable and well-pleasing to God. God wants us to be making sacrifices to Him. And this passage, as well as many others that we could look at, tell us that there are certain sacrifices that God will be pleased with, and there are other sacrifices that He wouldn't be pleased with. There are sacrifices that will be acceptable to God, and sacrifices that are not acceptable to Him. And this morning, I want to look at this idea of making sacrifices to God so we can learn the type of sacrifices that God wants, the sacrifices that would be acceptable and well-pleasing to Him. So what are those characteristics and those traits of a sacrifice that God expects from us in our lives? Well, to understand the kind of characteristics and traits that our sacrifices should have, let's go to the Old Testament. And let's learn from what God's ex expectations were of people in the Old Testament regarding their sacrifices to learn how we ought to be making our sacrifices today. In the Old Testament, as God expected sacrifices from His people then, God expected His sacri the sacrifices to be made as He had instructed them. Now, this is pretty obvious and a pretty apparent thing that we would say, well, God instructed people on how to make sacrifices and He expected them to make them that way. But in practice, it wasn't apparently all that obvious. For example, we go back in Genesis chapter 4 to the first example of a sacrifice that we have in the Scriptures, and we find that people were making sacrifices that were acceptable and well-pleasing to God then, and they were also making sacrifices that were not well-pleasing and were not acceptable. In Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, we have two sacrifices, one that was acceptable and one that wasn't. In Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. Notice this. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God. Cain's was not. Why was that? Well, it wasn't according to God's instruction. Cain's sacrifice was not according to God's instruction. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we learn that Abel offered a sacrifice based upon faith. 
We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, we know that God had instructed Cain and Abel in the type of sacrifice to make. And Abel had followed those instructions, but Cain didn't follow those instructions. Did Cain not understand God's instructions? No, he understood them. But maybe he thought it wasn't that big a deal. You know, a sacrifice is a sacrifice. I've got these vegetables that I've worked really hard for. Surely God would be happy if I offered him these. But he wasn't because he had told the people what he wanted. And they weren't, he didn't, hadn't followed that instruction. Maybe Cain thought, well, God knows my heart. God knows what my heart is. He doesn't really care about the physical sacrifice. No, God cared. And God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. In Leviticus chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, we see another example of sacrifice that God was not pleased with. Because it did not follow the instruction that he had given. In Leviticus chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, Leviticus 10, beginning verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu are worshiping God. They're burning incense to God. They're making sacrifices to God. If you ask anyone in the religious world today, 95% of them would probably tell you that's great. They're making sacrifices to God, but God said that's not great. That's not well-pleasing. That's not acceptable. Why? Because they were not offering the incense the way that God had instructed them to offer it. They were using strange fire. They were not following the instructions that God had given them. And God was angry with them. And struck them dead. Maybe Nadab and Abihu thought, hey, we're making a sacrifice. What's the big deal about the kind of fire that we use? It was a big deal. Because it was not in accordance with how God had instructed. In the Old Testament, God said, if you're going to make sacrifices to me, you've got to make the sacrifices as I've instructed you to make the sacrifices. It was very important to God in the Old Testament. Furthermore, as we look at Old Testament requirements for sacrifices, if you were going to make a sacrifice to God in the Old Testament, you could only offer Him the best. God wouldn't settle for Leviticus chapter for the best. God wanted the best. In Leviticus chapter one, in Leviticus chapter one, verse three, Leviticus one verse three, as God is telling us what kind of sacrifice He wanted from the people in the Old Testament, what do you, look at this: If His offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd. Let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his, own uh, of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. This offering, this sacrifice had to be without blemish. An animal without blemish would have been the most prized animal you had. The best animal you had. To put it in terms that we might understand today, if you had a china collection of prized china, this would be that 16th century imported from China piece of China that you had, the best that you had. If you had a baseball card collection, this would be your Mickey Mantle rookie card that you're offering God the best. God wanted those animals without blemish. In Leviticus chapter 22, 
In Leviticus chapter 22, notice these strict requirements that God had in Leviticus 22, beginning of verse 20. But whatsoever, but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall you not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a freewill offering of the beeves, that is cattle, or sheep, it shall be, a, be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed, or having a wind or a scurvy or scabbed. You shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar of the Lord. God said, if you're going to bring me a sacrifice, you bring me the best. And if this thing is all hobbled up and mangy and got a disease, you can keep that one. I don't want it. I want the best. You ever heard the old story about the farmer who's going around all over town giving out hams for Christmas or Thanksgiving and people were just amazed at his generosity? Well, that's such things are dying faster than Mr. Farmer, so you're giving away all these hams. He said, oh, well, it's nothing. These pigs are dying faster than I can give them away. Not very happy with that sacrifice, are we? God wouldn't be happy with it either. In the Old Testament, he said, if the thing has a blemish, if it's sick, if there's a problem with it, don't bother offering it to me. God only wanted the best. Yet in Malachi chapter 1, we learned that people were trying to sneak by with giving God less than the best, and notice God's reaction to that. In Malachi chapter 1, beginning of verse 8, the word of God through Malachi says, And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor, will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. God says, you're bringing me all this junk. You're, sac you're sacrificing these sacrifices that got problems. You'd have more respect for the governor to try and pass off this junk you're bringing to me. And you expect me to be happy with it? God says, you need to think again, because I'm not happy with it. Later on in chapter 1, verse 13, beginning. In chapter 1, verse 13 of Malachi, Yea, uh, ye also said, Behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But uh, cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. God says you were trying to sneak this stuff in. You had good things in your flock. You had good things at your disposal, and yet you were giving me the secondary things, the refuse. And he says, I'm not happy with it. I'm not pleased. And God didn't accept it because God wants only the best. In the Old Testament, God only wanted the best. And furthermore, in the Old Testament, we know that God required sacrifice in his sacrifices. God wanted this to be a sacrifice. That's obvious by the, the term sacrifice, that there needs to be some price to be paid for that. There needs to be giving up of something. You need to be making a sacrifice when you offer a sacrifice to God. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, beginning of verse 23, notice King David's approach to making sacrifices to God. There needed to be a cost associated with that. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, Begin verse 23, all these things did Aruna, 
as, as a king, give unto the king, that's David. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king, again David, said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Runa was just going to give these things to David. Say, here, take this and offer it as a sacrifice to God. And David said, no, if you give it to me, that's not a sacrifice. I'm going to buy this from you so that I can then sacrifice it to God because sacrifice has to, by definition, involve a cost. In the Old Testament, when God asked for sacrifices from people, he wanted those sacrifices to be offered according to the way he had instructed. He wanted those sacrifices to be only the best, and he wanted there to be a cost associated. He wanted there to be sacrifice involved. Why is this important? Because, again, God expects sacrifices from us today, and we need to be following those same practices in our sacrifices. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, notice this, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are today, here on earth, to be offering sacrifices to God. Peter says these are spiritual sacrifices. We're not offering animal sacrifices anymore like they were in the Old Testament. We're to offer spiritual sacrifices. But it is important that we learn the principle of what God expected from His people in the Old Testament so we can follow those same principles in our lives today. So, in the New Testament, what type of sacrifices are we to be offering? What type of sacrifices is God expecting from us as we offer up spiritual sacrifices to Him today? And how can we apply those Old Testament principles to these sacrifices that we're offering today? First up, as we look at New Testament sacrifices, I want to tell you one way we offer sacrifices to God is by sacrificing ourselves to God. We need to be sacrificing ourselves to God. Now, we're not talking about strapping ourselves to a pile of wood and striking a match and offering ourselves this way. But we are, telling our, we are saying that we need to be sacrificing ourselves. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There it is. My body is to be a sacrifice. Now, again, it's not something like the Old Testament where they would kill the animal and then sacrifice it. No, my body is to be a living sacrifice. The way that I live my life is a sacrifice to God. Well, how do I live my life? He goes on and tells me, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We're to be holy. We're to be devoted to God. That word holy means that we're set apart for a purpose. The purpose of my life, the way that I live my life every day, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, the way that I live my life is to be holy or devoted to God, serving Him. How do I do that? I do that by submitting my will to God's will. 
I do what God tells me to do. That's how I sacrifice my life to God. Yet our, our society tells us that we need to do what feels good to us, what we want to do. That's the American spirit. You're born free. You do whatever you want to do. But God says we've got to be sacrificing our lives for Him. That's what Paul was doing in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, you notice what Paul says. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Whose will was Paul following? Not his own anymore. He had crucified that will. He's now serving Christ. He's being led by Christ's will. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that you have been crucified? That your will has died and you're now doing the will of God? God expects us to be offering the sacrifice of our lives by submitting to His will in our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And that He died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Can that be said of you? That you're not living unto yourself, but you're living the will of God in your life? I'm afraid many times we know what we should do. We know what God's will is for us, and yet we're unwilling to do it because we're not willing to make the sacrifice that's required. Our lives have for nine sacrifice. In fact, Jesus said that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There was no denying in Jesus' day what a cross meant. A cross was something that you died on. And we're to take up our cross. We're to put to death our will in favor of God's will. We're to sacrifice our will for God. We must every day, in every way, do what Jesus said and deny ourselves and do what God expects us to do. Paul did just this in Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul counted all things as lost. He had given up everything to serve God. And we need to do the same. We need to be willing to sacrifice our lives, sacrifice ourselves to God. Now, remember, we looked at the Old Testament as what God required of folks when they were going to make sacrifices. We need to sacrifice ourselves as God has instructed. We need to be doing God's will. We need to give God only the best. We need to give every bit of effort we can to serving God in our lives. And there needs to be sacrifice. We need to be doing God's will even when it hurts. Even when it requires us giving up what we wanted to do otherwise, we're going to just make those sacrifices to be pleasing to God. We need to give ourselves, sacrifice ourselves to God. Secondly, as we look at what New Testament sacrifices are mentioned and required of us, we need to be willing to sacrifice ourselves 
for others. Not only are we sacrificing ourselves to God, we need to be willing to sacrifice ourselves to others. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, But to do good and communicate forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. We need to be doing good for others. Sacrificing ourselves for others. Again, this is counterculture. Our culture today tells us to look out for number one. Do what makes you happy. Don't worry about anybody else. Just look out for number one. And yet we're called to a higher standard. Are you interested in pleasing others or are you simply, have you bought into this idea that you need to be looking out for number one and pleasing yourself? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. God expects us to be sacrificing ourselves for those around us. And that's tough. That's going to mean that we're not selfish, that we're not self-centered, that we're interested in the well-being of those around us, that we're sacrificing ourselves for others. Paul, again, we've mentioned him many times, but Paul was willing to do this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I choose for his brethren. All that Paul was willing to do for his fellow man. Are you willing to sacrifice of yourself for the well-being of others? Are you concerned about those that you're around? Are you doing good for them? Are you sacrificing for them? Think about it spiritually. Are you willing to... Talk to someone who is struggling with sin, someone who needs to be encouraged. Are you willing to go through that inconvenience for your fellow man? Are you submitting to your fellow man, to your brethren in their areas of judgment like you should? Are you willing to sacrifice yourself for others? I knew a man one time who said he made it his goal to do something nice for someone every day. A noble aspiration. I think that exemplifies what we're talking about here. Do something nice for someone every day. We need to be sacrificing ourselves for others. Again, as we look at the Old Testament, how do you do that? You do it as God instructed. You put others first. You, do, you give only the best. Only the best. And you're going to do it when there's sacrifice required. Doing good for you. Sacrificing for you. Instead of doing what I want to do, it's going to cost. I need to be willing to pay those prices. And then finally this morning, not, not finally, I'm sorry. Then thirdly, we need to be willing to sacrifice our time. Our time is a valuable commodity. And it seems that in the world that we live in, we have less and less time than we would like. And yet we need to be willing to sacrifice our time. To God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We need to be busy making the most use of our time. Instead, I'm afraid that we put other things first. We do what we want to do first, and then we'll give God any time if there's anything left over. 
We'll do what we want to do, and then if there's time, we'll read our Bible. We'll do what we want to do, and then if there's time, we'll meditate on God's Word. We'll do what we want to do, and then if there's time, we'll try and share the gospel with others. We'll do what we want to do, and then if there's time, we'll maybe take a few minutes to pray. Yet we need to be doing, uh, sacrificing our time all the time. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Are you seeking God's kingdom first? What gets the most time in your schedule? Is it your recreation? Is it your leisure activities? Or is it God? We need to be sacrificing our time to God again. God has instructed us to do this. We're to be redeeming the time. He only wants the best. He wants us to seek Him first. And he wants sacrifice. He wants our time even when it hurts. And then, finally this morning, as we think about sacrifice to God, I want to tell you that our worship needs to be sacrificing to God as well. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. We need to be worshiping God in a way that's sacrificial to Him. We need to be sacrificing in our worship. Worshiping God is a sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us consider one another provoking to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to make sure, brethren, that we're committed to worshiping God, that we are not forsaking the assembling. Our worship to God is sacrificed to Him, and it must be as He's instructed. It must be only the best, and there needs to be sacrifice involved. That may mean that we don't feel like getting up and coming to worship, yet we're going to do it because we realize that we're sacrificing to God. In the Old Testament, God expected sacrifices to be in accordance with His instruction. He expected sacrifices to be only the best, and He expected there to be a cost associated with that. And some of the ways that He expects us to be making sacrifices to our lives today in the New Testament is by sacrificing ourselves, our lives, our will to God, by sacrificing ourselves to others, by sacrificing our time, and by sacrificing in the way that we worship God. Are we doing that in our lives today? We need to be dedicated to living a life of sacrifice to God. And we need to be living in such a way that our lives are, are acceptable and well-pleasing to Him. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. You need to hear the gospel of Christ and need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to repent of the way that you've been living your life. You'd be willing to confess your faith in Christ and you'd be willing to submit to baptism as he's instructed. And if you're here in a Christian but yet not making the sacrifices that you think you need to, you realize you haven't been sacrificing the way that God desires you to be. We'd encourage you to make change to that, make correction before it's too late. If there's any way we can help you, let us know while we stand and sing.